everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Hey everybody, welcome back. Today we are looking at only John chapter 5, so this is a shorter episode for sure. And we start off John chapter 5 with a healing controversy. You have this guy that's been unable to move or walk for like 30 some years. And he's down at the pool of Bethesda, and he's hoping to get into the water, but is always unable to get to the water. And Jesus simply sees him and heals him. Like, on the spot, he says, get up, take your bed, and walk. And the dude jumps up and walks away. (laughs) But it was on the Sabbath day, uh, so there's a little bit of controversy around this entire scene. Well, again, I think the Pharisees are always just looking for a reason to like pin Jesus down and try to make him look bad or make him seem like he's up to no good because he's not following the rules. Um, my, I was studying a little bit about the paralytic, uh, because he's given this opportunity to walk after so many years and Jesus actually tells him like, just go, like, don't be super over the top about this, but he is gone. Like he goes and he is seen in the temple And he tells him, like, see, you are well, go sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Um, And so, like, he kind of, like, rats him out in a way. Like, he goes and he tells all these guys, like, he's the one who did it. And Jesus kind of like, look, man, like, I healed you as, like, a witness to you of, like, one, that I'm God, but two, that, like, you can believe that I am God and also, like not face eternal damnation. We've seen this at least twice at this point where Jesus heals someone and ties it directly to their like righteousness or their standing with God, basically their sin. Uh, the, the paralytic that was lowered down through the ceiling of the house, he said, your sins are forgiven instead of be healed. And now Jesus bumps into this guy. This, this story, just so you're aware, this story takes place over a couple days. Like Jesus heals this man at the pool. He runs off. And then Jesus finds him at the temple later on. I guess I guess we don't know for sure that it's a couple of days, I suppose, but definitely time passes in between. And when Jesus sees this man, he's like, hey, stop sinning. And so it is interesting that in both these instances, up until now, uh, when Jesus heals somebody, he ties it to the idea of being faithful to God and being free from sin. What's even more interesting is that at the end of it, when the Pharisees approach him to like call him out on what he's doing, he responds with uh, verse 17, my father is working until now and I am working, referring to the fact that he is at the same level as God. So that really pushes them over the edge as well. So not only is he healing on the Sabbath, he's referring to himself as God. It just like goes all through them. It's funny. We talked a, a little bit about uh, how the Pharisees, uh, kind of like created just like a whole separate rule book because they didn't even want to get close to messing up. And so it was against the rules uh, to carry a mat from one house to another house, from mm-hmm. one domicile to another domicile. Domicile? I'm not sure. Whatever. Um, but you could assist people who could not carry things for themselves. So if you were carrying this mat for this uh, disabled man, it would be fine. 
But because this man now is healed and can carry his own mat, it's not fine. So like so wrapped so up. So these the are the rules that this guy that. breaks. And yeah. what's interesting is that the, the the religious leaders come after him and then they end up going after Jesus and Jesus uses it as an opportunity. <laughs> so it's like it's like Jesus is in trouble for uh, doing work on the Sabbath day. And so when they confront Jesus about this issue, it's like Jesus just goes ahead and commits an even bigger issue just to like make it even worse. So it's like, yeah, I can do whatever I want because I'm I'm God, basically. And they're like, what? Mm. I think that would really super duper throw them off even more. So like you can see that like temperature gauge just like rising and rising yes. constantly. Yes. Uh, what stuck out to me... I think more than anything in this chapter was towards the end of chapter five. I don't know if you want to like give light to the middle. Basically like the first half of the chapter is about this man being healed. The second half of the chapter is kind of like, it's, it's not even really a back and forth. It's Jesus saying that he is basically like on par with God. I think it's a conversation between him and the, like the Pharisees and the teachers, right? Yeah. He's like confronting them. He certainly says way more words than they do. Um, but it's just creating a ton of controversy. So the first half is the healing. The second half is this idea of who Jesus is and what his relationship to God is. Well, it's interesting, too, because he keeps talking about his role as the son. So, like, he is fully God, but he keeps referring to, like, what he has to do as the son of God. So even verse 30 says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Um, So it's really, it's cool how he's just kind of, like, laying out for them. Like, I have, like, all the authority, but I'm also, like, I'm here on behalf of my father who sent me, but (laughs) at the same time being God. So I'm sure that was, like, racking their brains as well. Like, as if Trinity speech isn't like hard enough to understand for us in these days. I can't imagine what it would have been like for them. So then we kind of move into the end of chapter five, which leads into um, Jesus talking directly to the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, those men who are like really having a hard time with what Jesus is up to right now. Um, And he kind of like lays it out to them pretty firmly that no matter, no matter what, they were never going to accept who he was. Um, there are verses basically like 39 to the end of the chapter. Jesus says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And that is, or excuse me, and it is they that bear witnesses about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I've come in my father's name and you not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from another and do not seek glory that comes from the only God? So he's just like pretty much laying it out plain to them that like, hey, I'm God. I'm here on behalf of God. I'm his son, but it doesn't matter. Everything that you're reading, you'll never recognize me as that. And it's like, He's really laying the foundation, I think, of who he is and the fact that, like, they have the option to believe him, but never will. This is the first instance that we'll hear across the New Testament. It's kind of a a core theological principle in the New Testament that all that has been written in God's word up until that point 
points to and helps understand and define Jesus. So this is this is one case that's being made here in John chapter 5, verse 39. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Jesus is saying, your salvation is not found in the words that you're studying. Your salvation is in the person and work of me, Jesus, the, the son of the father. And so you'll see a couple times where this case is made that all scripture that existed up until that point points to Jesus so that people can understand Jesus and know who Jesus is. And there are people who are actively doing that. John the Baptist has done that. Anna has done that. Simeon has done that. Elizabeth has done that. There are people in the world at that time who have studied the scriptures, and they do believe that Jesus is the Son of God because of the scriptures they have studied. Now here, the Pharisees do not believe it um, because they are too busy being like prideful, I guess, and arrogant, uh, receiving authority from people who like to give authority to themselves Mm -hmm. instead of receiving the authority that comes from God. One even ends at the like the very last verses, the last two. It says, For if you believe Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you don't believe his writings, how are you going to believe my words? So it's like Moses actually spoke of the coming of Jesus within his writings. And like they read it and they study it. But if they don't believe that, then what are they going to believe that comes out of Jesus' mouth? Exactly. So crazy. I think this is an interesting, there's an interesting argument to be made here for be really careful about studying the Bible just to study the Bible. Be really careful about learning more about the Bible just to learn more about the Bible. If you are not reading and studying and understanding the Bible so that you can be drawn by the Holy Spirit closer to relationship with God, you're probably in a little bit of a sketchy place. Um, I, I've seen plenty of guys and I think they're, I think they're Christian guys, believers, but I've seen plenty of guys that study the Bible just to be able to have enough ammo to win the next argument. And Mm. that just really seems to be a foolish use of God's word. We want to, we want to read the word. Obviously we do. We have a daily podcast for it. Um, we want to study the word. We want to know what it means and what it says, but we even more than that want to be drawn into closer relationship with God because of what it says. And so if we are studying this word uh, without being drawn into relationship with Jesus, uh, we're, you know, we're taking a serious risk of ending up exactly where these Pharisees are, exactly the same place where Jesus would confront us and say, like, you study that book, but you don't even know me, like you're missing out. Mm -hmm. So that's the your part. Like, I really challenge you to be an active relationship with Jesus and not just studying the word. Be, Be careful, like, hear me. We study the word. We don't throw out the Bible. We don't throw out the word that's already been spoken and written down. Uh, But we read and study it to be drawn closer and closer into relationship, not to win arguments, not to get good grades, not to get recognition because Mm -hmm. we can answer tough questions, uh, just to know who Jesus is, what he's all about, so that we can be like him and about what he is about. So that's Mm -hmm. your part for today. Um, be diligent in your study and be drawn into relationship because of it. We're not doing that. We're missing out in a significant way, just like these guys were. Uh, So that's it for the day. We'll be back again tomorrow. Tomorrow we're looking at some Matthew, some Mark, and some Luke. So there's plenty on our plate for tomorrow. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening to our take today. Before we get into the reading, if we could just ask you one thing, 
Uh, if you've been enjoying the podcast, if you could subscribe to us and then leave a rating and review, we'd love to hear from you. And every rating we get helps us reach more people. Ultimately, we're just trying to reach people with the truth of God's word and your review will help us do that. So thanks so much for being invested in the podcast. Here's the reading for today. John chapter five. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going another step down before me, Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not law for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, Truly I say to you, an hour is coming, and now is here, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming, when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice, and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But that testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works of the Father have given me to accomplish the very works that I am doing. 
Bear witness about me, the Father has sent me, and the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in my own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another, and do not seek the glory that comes from only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow. Thank you.